0: Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast, a podcast looking back into the Jewish roots of our faith for the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. My name is Heather, and I'm a longtime youth ministry leader, lover of sweatpants, and I'm the author and founder of First Century Youth Ministry. And I'm
1: Mark, a longtime youth pastor, ancient studies nerd, and Star Wars aficionado. This podcast is part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network.
0: Hey friends, it's Heather here. Welcome back to the show. And we are on another week of the number five. Isn't that exciting, Mark? We talked about three one week, five last week, and now it's five again. Five ways to know you're leading like Jesus and not a Pharisee. So, show. Mark, yeah. So Mark, tell us a little bit about those Pharisees before we get started. So it gives us a little bit of context for the conversation today.
1: Yeah. So we have a whole episode about this. You can go back and listen about the Pharisees, but the easy way we gave for people to remember Pharisees in that episode, if I recall, is that the Pharisees were fair. You see, because they only Uh. about the law. And while that does sell the (laughs) Pharisees short, probably as people that actually deeply cared about scriptures and were impassioned about debating the scriptures. Yeah. It does help you understand jesus frustration with the Mm -hmm. pharisees around him in that Mm -hmm. they seem to be very rigorous about explaining and protecting the laws of torah without actually seeming to like or have compassion for or really be for the very people of the land they were trying to teach the laws to and so Jesus felt like they were always talking about the laws and how to fulfill this and that. But the heart of the law, they were missing because the heart of the law was about internal love for God and as a result, love for people. And Jesus basically, I think he felt like the second half of that was missing. That part of the equation wasn't there. And so you have a lot of Pharisees um, who are absolutely experts in Torah. Like they they probably Mm -hmm. have the first five books of the Bible memorized and they can write texts and have debates where they recall scripture instantly and yet don't seem to have a heart for people. And, you know, I'm sure you've met people like that before that seem Mm -hmm. um, like they really, really know what they're Mm -hmm. supposed to know, and yet Mm -hmm. they don't really seem to, I don't know, like people or care about people.
0: Right, yeah. And so Heather's going to walk
1: us through, well, how to be a leader that leads like Jesus and not a Pharisee. So this should be fun.
0: Yeah. Okay, so one, I have here, you don't just know the text, but you live it. That was, again, like one of Jesus's beef with the Pharisees was that they knew the Torah, they knew the word, but didn't live out the the heart behind of God's call to Israel to follow him. It was a love relationship. It wasn't a scolding. It wasn't a, um, a parent who was putting their kid in the corner out of anger. It was a parent who was lovingly guiding their child into a closer relationship with him And so this is um, a way to know that we're not leading like a Pharisee is to know that we're living the text and not just knowing it so that it actually does change us and it becomes something that isn't just something that we uh, intellectually know, but it's something at the heart level that we, when somebody says a hard word to us, we go, oh, I need to change. Not, they're so dumb. What are they even talking about? Right. I mean, have you ever, in my immaturity, I used to respond that way. Like, do they know who they're talking to? Right. But then now as I've gotten older and my pride has softened a bit, I actually welcome hard words because I know that they grow and change me um, so that I can start living the text instead of just knowing it.
1: Yeah, no, that's really cool. And you know, I don't, I don't think first century youth ministry would be what it is if you and I have not both been able to say, hard things and strong opinions at times about like, where do we need to head sure. next and what do we need to be open to? Yeah. You know, it's yes. true. I, yeah. I think of like uh James, the the brother of Jesus that says, don't just listen to scripture, do, mm-hmm. do what it says. And then when you explain that is, well, what is true religion? It's, it's looking after the widows and the orphans and not being polluted, by the mm-hmm. world. I think the Pharisees were that's obsessed right. with being polluted by the world, but didn't seem to care yes. about people on the underside of power. And
0: that's a great point.
1: Jesus says, I yeah. think your faith is best expressed by serving the least mm-hmm. of these.
0: Preach brother. That's actually one of our points is that you, number two, is that you make your life about serving others, especially yeah. the least of these. You know, how many times maybe in our first few years of youth ministry, where we really concerned about getting the popular kids in our youth ministry, man, if we could just get the most popular kids or the, the football players or the captain of the cheerleading team, that would draw a lot of kids into our youth ministry. Instead of taking the genuine time to get to know the kid in the corner who kind of like sits with their head down all the time and doesn't really talk to anybody else. Right? Like our, what are we making our youth ministry about, about growing something big or about loving the people who are there? And that's the ministry of Jesus is to love those who feel like they're on the outside to let them know that they're actually part of the kingdom. And that's what the Pharisees were missing. And that's the piece that they, that Jesus kept trying to hammer into them is like, no, like there's something, there's a bigger purpose here. And it's loving the least of these and inviting them into something that is bigger than themselves.
1: Yeah, I love what you said. I mean, think of the story that Jesus basically tells at the Pharisees about the lost sheep. And he says, you know, the shepherd that's lost a sheep doesn't doesn't just like let it go. He leaves the 99 and goes and gets it. And as a youth pastor, that's Mm -hmm. the kid sitting out on the fringes that isn't sure about the social situation. Maybe is awkward in a group. Or just isn't mm-hmm. really fundamentally comfortable in their own skin yet, and we have the beautiful gift and opportunity to affirm their value in a way that could completely change their life. And sometimes, it so really follow Jesus. Give them the time of day when no one else does consistently. It's great. They will come alive. It's great. Cool, cool. That's
0: awesome. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. Yeah, so that's point number two. Um, point number three is you don't get mad at people when someone trips your insecurity trigger. So you know that you're not acting like a Pharisee when somebody hits an insecurity button or trigger in your life and you don't flip out and yeah. say,
1: oh, he's healing on the Sabbath.
0: Kill him. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? But how many of us in our moments of unhealthiness, when something about us gets pushed up against the wall, we have a strong reaction and we we react out of fear or we act react out of anger and we get mad at people instead of choosing to let those insecurities not be our driver and let our the peace with that comes from God be the thing that drives us.
1: Do you know the hardest lesson I've learned about my own insecurities is is that the things that make us mad about other people are our own problems Mm. and so i used to get angry like when a guy would come into the room and act kind of prideful and overconfident it's because i was prideful and overconfident which is silly because i'm like five two and a head (laughs) and a half shorter than everyone in the room and yet you know when i was young as a youth pastor i think my calling made me feel like i had a special position or privilege and sure. i would watch someone act without watch someone act overconfident it was like someone had pushed the big old red insecurity button and what mm-hmm. i had to learn was the like and maybe this is what you can take away from that the very thing that annoys you about the person on your volunteer team about the other staff person you're doing ministry with or about just someone you encounter mm-hmm. that really irks you it's probably because they have a characteristic that you hate in yourself and you haven't owned it yet i know
0: don't say that mark that's making me think about things in my own life that i'm not sure that i want to deal with
1: (laughs) it wasn't a great lesson that i had to learn but it was one i had to learn yeah
0: yeah. Yeah. that's such a great way to put it it's not a great lesson but it's a lesson you had to learn absolutely Yeah, yeah that's good so number, um, what do you want, number four, I think? Yeah. So yeah. number four is you don't serve because you're trying to please other people. So we read of stories in the Gospels of Jesus kind of calling some um, religious leaders and Pharisees out because they're trying to look good to other people. And, yeah. um, man, oh, this is tough. Like, I actually just did a lesson with the students Like two weeks ago, I called it spotlight where, um, Paul talks in Romans. He says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, man. Like it is so hard to step up and step out and to exercise our gifts for the Lord and to not have a thought of like, oh, I hope people think that I'm really good at this or hope they're impressed by what I'm doing or man, like I just, I just killed that. Like, I'm sure people must, whoo, this this guy, this girl, she's, she's worth her money. You know what I'm saying?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not about, um, pleasing other people. It's simply to be a servant because people can see right through a person who's really in it for themselves, but a person who's willing to be a servant, um, they actually like, and they support and they cheer on and encourage
1: yeah, I think there's a matched yeah. humility to it that people pick up on too. You mm-hmm. you can't you can't authentically serve others until you've kind of realized that you're not that big a deal. And until you until you get there, it's actually hard to really put yourself beneath people consistently and with mm-hmm. discipline. Um yeah. I'll never forget watching a volunteer named Matt who is just like a giant looked like a, looked like a lineman that had just walked off the Chicago bears team. Big guy. <laughs> yeah. I used to watch him every single week, humbly and quietly hmm. serve just one student who had down syndrome in my youth oh. group who struggled with transitions. And so we would right. move from game time to small group time or something like that. And, you know, my friend with down syndrome would not want to make the switch. And Matt Mm -hmm. would just quietly hang back as long as it took. And if he had to shoot hoops with him for a while, okay. And if he had to sit with him and chat for a while, okay. And man, he just never made a big deal about it. It was unassuming. It was so profoundly helpful to me though, because as a youth worker, you can't, you can't stop everything to help one person transition very easily. But this was a yeah. person who, even though he was a great like giant of a man, had learned immense humility. And because yes. of that, I watched him put himself in the position of a servant every week. So inspiring.
0: And guess who he became a hero to?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: That student, that parent's student, the Absolutely. kids watching. I mean, the young men who are watching. Man, what a beautiful thing. I love that. Yeah. That's I'm awesome.
1: Honestly, to, to me, I mean, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Okay,
0: that's awesome. Okay, number five. Okay, so we, uh, excuse me, um, you see the kingdom as an invitation for all, not something you've accomplished more because of your degree, experience, expertise, etc. Yeah. So, yeah. again, you look at who you are in light of a Being a child of God, not your pedigree or your degree, yeah. You don't say, Well, I deserve more because I have a master's of divinity or
1: there's no empty of heaven. I
0: should (laughs) there's not. There's not like a section of heaven for like masters of divinity students, and then like if you just have like a masters of arts. There is, it's boring. Do you (laughs) think that if there's a youth pastor part of heaven that there'll be pizza and ping pong?
1: I'm sure. There should yeah, be. Yeah, I'm sure.
0: That's where I want to be.
1: It, you know it's like shredder's lair. Just awesome. Half pipe, skateboard, <laughs> pinball machines, you know.
0: Yes. Maybe yes. 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 Anyways. I'm trying to think. What I, we I just had this that? random. We're talking about number five. <laughs> so you see the kingdom as an invitation for all, not something you've accomplished more because of your degree, experience, expertise, etc. So yeah. it can become – it. It's um, it's um. We can be flaunted, or excuse me, we can be tempted by, um, what the world says gives us more um, uh, mm, more uh, meaning, right? Uh, more more applause by people, and yeah. we can try to live under that applause because of what we've accomplished, or we can continue to keep the attitude. Of somebody who says, "No, I'm a child of God who's inviting other children of God to be part of the kingdom, and i don't have I don't have it all figured out, and my degree doesn't make me necessarily more <laughs> equipped or smarter than the next person. Dude, I've met some yeah. people who they stinking flat out know their Bibles like way more than some people who I've met who have degrees. In it, you get what I'm saying, yeah. because they've chosen to study. They don't have the the paper the education, right? But man, Most these people know the Bible, a
1: biologist. right? Yeah, yeah. But you know what? For sure, of the, of the two people you just described back to back, you described the person who didn't have it all figured out, but had a, a humility and an authenticity in their spirit. Mm-hmm back to back with I've met some people who really know their bible you know what I'll take I'll take the kind and compassionate person that's been transformed every time that's who I want in mm-hmm. my corner on my team as a friend those are the people I want to surround me and mm-hmm. who do you like better when you hear those two descriptions i'm sorry but like yeah. listing it a, a degree or that they have more head knowledge doesn't make me like a person more and it yeah. doesn't make the person more valuable, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, abs- you know, for sure. Go out and get the degree, pursue your education. Well, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I'm talking as like
1: a dork that's like in the middle of tons of study, but honestly,
0: yeah, that hasn't made
1: me one bit of a better person or husband or dad or pastor. That's mm-hmm. that's just honestly like stuff I'm nerdy interested in, but it hasn't sure. helped me as a human.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. You know, what helped me in my master's program the most was when I got to <laughs> This is so funny. The things that I remember the most that were most transformative in my master's degree program was when I would go out for lunch with my professors.
1: Yeah, Re- relationship is is simply more transformative than book knowledge. I hate to say it. Yeah. I know a lot of us have spent a lot of money, maybe we're still paying <laughs> off our degrees, Help me, Jesus. But, you know. It's yeah. true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was when we would sit down at Panera Bread and have a bowl, you know, whatever, and and talk about talk about the content but also talk about life, right? And that's when it became most transformative was when we were not focusing on, you know, our education per se, but on our growth as people. And so that's- there it is. So there's your five ways to know you're leading like Jesus and not a Pharisee.
1: That's cool. That's cool. Well, as always, friends, join us at First Century Youth Ministry. We're working at uh, .com. We're working on a new curriculum as we speak that should be really fun. And if you haven't checked out uh, the Parables of Jesus curriculum, it's really cool, really helpful, and it's had great reviews And most of all, I have loved the cohorts we've done with other youth pastors. And we'll pick some of those back up in the fall after a summer break. Sound good, Heather?
0: Let's do it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to those. And we've got some new stuff in the mix, too, that hopefully we'll be rolling out some more fun cohorts.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Bye, everyone.
0: Bye.